You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. As hopefully you got your hand out there. If you don't, we've got some in the back there. Uh, and so tonight, as we continue thinking about through systematic theology, we're going to be talking about creation, okay? Uh, we're going to look and, and see how uh, God has uh, created the world and what does that mean for us right here and right now. Because it's easy for us to say, well, that happened back then and uh, how does that affect us? But in reality, uh, this whole world is in desperate need to be able to understand who we came from, where we came from, and, and what do we do now. So as we think about it, this aspect of creation, the doctrine of creation, is a critical issue for theology because it sets up the foundation for all other doctrines within the Christian worldview. So to be able to start off as creator kind of sets everything else, right? If he's the creator, then honestly, as simply as I can say it, whatever he says goes, right? If he's the maker, he determines how we are to live our lives and how we're to respond to him. In the scriptures, we discover a transcendent God. Remember that attribute? He transcends above who we are. It's bigger than, greater than, um, who has sovereignly created how many things? All things, right? So if he is the creator of all things, then we have to wrap our head around, uh, if he made it, right, he's the owner of it. He is the one only that knows how to, to make any of this work. Uh, and so to us to not look to him would make no sense whatsoever. All the men in the room that have ever tried to put something together without using the instruction manual, how well did that go for you, right? Okay. Uh, the reality is, is that we, we have this concept where we say, hey, I can just figure this out, right? I can do this on my own. I, I, I can. And yet the person who made it has written a book that says, just do these steps and you'll be all right, right? Okay. And even if it's complicated, trust me. I put it together. And when we come to the Word of God, we have God sovereignly saying, I created this world. I put it together. And if you will read my instruction book, guess what? It'll make it sense, make sense. And we all go, now nah, I got it, right? I, I got it figured out. I don't need your help at all. So what I want us to do is I want us to look tonight kind of at, um, speaking of creation, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And you go, I thought creation is all about the beginning. Kind of is, but it also, what does it mean for us right here in, in the middle where we are? And then where is all this going for us? So um, Genesis 1.1, the very first of the Bible, says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, there, there's your, your real quick summary of this is how the Scripture is going to go. The first thing out of Scripture is, is these words right here. Uh, and it's a, a line that probably a lot of you have memorized, uh, even if you, before you even try to, right? Somebody said this is important for you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word Genesis Literally is that first word, it's beginnings. Okay, it's really what, what the word Genesis means is in the beginning, at the beginning of, of all things, that God created the heavens and the earth. So, so here's what we know, okay? Um, it, the opening sentence of the Bible teaches three critical assertions. Number one, there was a what? There was a beginning. And you go, that's real brilliant, Trav. I know it's a really real profound statement, okay? But it's important for us to realize there was a beginning to something, okay? And there also, understand this, there was not a beginning to something else. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we, we understand that in a second. But to understand Genesis 1-1, first and foremost, there was a beginning. Number two, there is a what? There is a God. In the beginning, God. Okay, let's start with that first 
primary assertion of the Bible that in the beginning there was a God. God created the heavens and the earth. So we know uh, there was a beginning, there is a God, and the third assertion is there is a creation. He created something. He is responsible. He is the creator God. Now, so out of that, once again, it's not a real deep dive into the, the elements of the scripture, but it's important for us to know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and the reason why this is important is either the universe or something outside the universe must be, what's the word? Eternal. Eternal. Okay. So when he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, a few weeks ago we talked about the attribute of God's eternality, which means this. God has always existed. He's not just old, he's eternal. In fact, some theologians would say, God's not old, we are. Okay? He's eternal. There's a difference in being aged and being eternal. So with this, you don't think of that... Um, Jesus came before us, and Moses came before Jesus, and Adam came before Moses, and God came before Adam. God is eternal. There has never been a moment when he was not. So here's, here's where the rub is right now. That when people come down to it, they want to say that in some ways, some people say that the universe is eternal. If the universe is eternal, that's what makes the universe is what created itself, right? So either either God or the universe has to be eternal for this to work out. One thing has to be eternal for anything to be created. All things must have a beginning except for what? Eternal. Yeah, one thing, right? The eternal thing. So all things have, must have a beginning except for one thing. You had a beginning. I can ask you what your birth date is, and even though you don't remember it, guess what? Somebody was there for it, okay? Somebody was there for it. You had a beginning. There was a day that you were not there, and there's a day that you really were there, right? And, it, and it's been different since then. There was a beginning, but there has to be one thing that never had a beginning, right? There has to be. Because uh, there has to be, we, we know this, that there, in the cause and effect, there's always has to be a cause to make something happen, Right? Um, so the other night, um, I hear a loud bang in my house, and it startles me. It sounds like something broke, and, and I'm sitting there going, do I want to get up and see what it is, right? And the answer is like, nah, I really don't, okay? But then it starts bothering me. Something caused that, right? Something caused whatever that was, and I can't even determine what it is. I'm just sitting there in the dark going, what could that be? I'm thinking in my mind or whatever. I finally just turn the lights on, and I can see. It's something, it's, it's a... It's a doggy calendar that Gloria had put up on a door and it just fallen down and just rattled and, and, and popped on this thing and just echoed through the hall and just scared me to death. Okay, now, now I know what that is. And what's the cause? I guess really cheap adhesive. I don't know what it was, right? But there were, the sound was due to a calendar and the calendar falling was due to something in, 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 the, in our house that caused it to weaken and whatnot. And, and you know what those things are. And, and I can go back and say, well, who even made the calendar? And, and we can say, well, the, the calendar was created by this person and it was printed by this person. You, you always go back to a cause. But with God, what you have to understand, he is the causeless cause. There is no cause or anything that premeditates God. God is eternal. So when we say in the beginning, it's not God's beginning we're talking about here, right? Because God never had a beginning. That hurt anybody's head here? Okay, okay. It does mine when I'm saying it. I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, like, this is the kind of stuff the player. God never had a beginning. So when he says in the beginning, it basically means in the beginning for all the rest of us, right? That we could apprehend him, the universe could apprehend him. But in reality, there was never a beginning to God. 
God created the world. This, this Latin phrase is called ex nihilo. Y'all repeat that after me. Ex nihilo. Y'all, y'all sound so smart. Ex nihilo, which means out of what? Nothing. Nothing. So when God said, let there be light, he didn't just go grab a bunch of flashlights and turn them on, right? When God said, let there be light, what was there with him? The answer was, there's nothing. So he creates it out of nothing. There's nothing present when he creates. Without any pre-existing matter, God created all things outside of himself by using his what? His words. Okay, so so make sure you get this. No pre-existing matter. There's no stuff to put together. There's no form this and, and stack this together and add these kind of things. There is nothing. Now, typically, when when someone says like ex nihilo, out of nothing, some people will. When when I I'm gonna give you uh, like a a little experiment here for a second. Okay, I want everybody to, just trust me here. I want you to close your eyes for a second and, and you're gonna visualize something. Okay, close your eyes. I want you to visualize a pink elephant. Okay, can you see it? Okay, all right. I want you to visualize your first car. Can you see it? All right. I now want you to visualize something else. I want you to visualize nothing. Visualize it. Can you see it? Okay, open your eyes for a second. Now, you would say, I couldn't see it, but when you thought of nothing, some of you thought of something. What did you think of? Black, dark, space, dark, you know, whatever. Like, it's just, it's out there, right? That's what typically people will say. Darkness is something, right? Darkness is not nothing. It, it's something. So you actually thought of something when you were thinking about nothing. <laughs> Follow me? What is nothing? Nothing is what rocks dream about. Okay, that's nothing, okay? It, it's, it's not like we think of nothing as like, oh, space. No, that's something. You, you thought of space with so, and like going out far. Like that's something. When God, he created out of nothing, there is nothing. No pre-existing matter. He creates all things and he creates it by using his words. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Light comes on. Interesting to realize that in John chapter 1, when John describes Jesus, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to being through him. So when God said, Let there be light, and it's his words, what is actually the creating agent in that moment? It is none other than Jesus. Right? Jesus wasn't like, oh, he came a few thousand years later. No, no, no. Jesus is, he's at creation. He, he's throughout all of this. The, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters in chapter 1, verse 2 of Genesis. This is, the, the Trinity is, is present and working in this moment. But God creates all things outside of himself by using just his words. Now, that's kind of the beginning, but let's talk about the middle and how this affects us specifically. And to do so, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, where he Paul says it this way, Yet for us there is but one God, the who? The Father, from whom all things came, and for whom we exist. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, 
through whom all things came and through whom we exist. Now you go, there's a lot of similarities in that verse. Like, what, what's the point? So when it says, here's the Father, right, first half, and then here is Jesus. Talking about creation, it says, from whom all things came and for whom he exists. When we get to Jesus, it is not from, but what? Through. Through. You see the difference here? I think my battery just went out. Hold on a second. What's the difference here is we're not just talking about someone who came at this point. We are seeing one that not only came from the Father. Uh, creation comes from the Father, but creation comes through who? Jesus. So we come from the Father and for the Father, but yet we come through Jesus and through Jesus we exist. And so with this, there's this picture of creation is a lot more than just thinking through something simple as, well, you know, God created all things. No, Christ is actually a part of creation. And if we honestly understand this, what it helps us see is that Creation has a lot more to do with who we are right here and right now, right? It's not just something like a fact that we say we believe in at some point, but we say there's actually somehow that this is defining characteristic of who we are. Now, why is this important? Why, when some of you went to college or you found your liberal friend who challenged all of your religious beliefs and your backward way of thinking, how many of you that had that child that went off to State University and left with VBS in the back of their mind and came back with a bunch of evolutionary... T- like, what, what happened there, right? Why is the world so determined? Why is the world so fixed on one thing and one thing alone? Get rid of the Creator. Have you realized there's an attack on God as the Creator? Why? Why can't you just let... People have their backwards religious beliefs, right? Did you know that there are people who are uh, making bad grades on tests and uh, getting their papers torn up and all these different situations just because they say there could be a creator? So when I taught at a state university and I taught world religions, one day uh, they put, well, one semester they put me in the biology, the science building as the only religion professor there. Um, I, I would like to say that there was a coup to get me out because there was. And a lot of times there'd be science professors that'd be eavesdropping my door and making notes and, and uh, recording some of the stuff I'd say. And they'd go, take it this. Do you hear he's t- teaching dangerous stuff? And they make a catalog of all the dangerous teachings I have. And I would say, well, play me the dangerous teachings. Tell, show me the dangerous teachings. You told students that there could be a creator. That's dangerous. Now, folks... I'm not talking about New York, New York. I'm talking about Greenwood, South Kakalaki, right? Greenwood, dangerous beliefs. You are going to upset these students by just claiming there might be a creator out there, okay? So one day a biology professor was standing outside the class and afterwards um, asked me the question. They said, um, how can you teach world religions unbiasedly? My response to her was, how can you teach biology unbiasedly? She said, there's a difference. I said, how? She said, well, mine is based on fact. I said, ma'am, mine is too. (laughs) And she said, no, what I base my stuff on, it's some things that we can observe. I said, oh, like you observed the Big Bang? Is that how you observed it? Like you were there for it? Well, no, we can look at scientific evidences and see what happened back then, what happens now. I said, so how many Big Bangs have you seen in your lifetime? Well, none. 
Well, who observed it then? Well, nobody observed it. So how did you do it? Did somebody have a video camera for it? No, we just know, based on all these things, this is what happened. I said, so what happened? Well, if you look at the science, it looked as if something started off the universe in such a rapid, explosive state. It was so gigantic that it should have consumed everything it created. And then all of a sudden, when it should have consumed and burned up everything, it just stopped as if it's something that stopped it itself. I said, I would like to introduce you to the one who stopped it then. <laughs> She says, what are you saying? I said, if science is pointing to a big bang, then I will give you a, an idea of what a big bang could sound like. Let there be light. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty explosive matter to me. Out of nothing came light like that. And I remember I said, let me answer this question to you. I said, um, when you give a test, do you have a variance for how a student can answer? She goes, there is no variance. We have facts here. You answer this way. I said, because... Um, I, I heard of a student in your class that said, hey, if you look at certain scientific facts, you can actually declare that maybe, possibly, there's an intelligent designer. It looks as if someone has kind of, you know, kept some of this stuff together, and you gave that person a bad grade when they actually thought, kind of, I, I say, pretty wise here. She says, because that's different. I said, well, let me tell you what I do in my class. I said, I provide all the worldviews out there, the most popular worldviews, and tell them to write a paper on why they believe what they believe, and I'm not going to give them a grade on what they believe. I'm going to give them a grade on if they defend it well or not. I said, can you do that in your class? She said, it, it, it's so different. She goes, because if you give students that opportunity, it becomes dangerous. I said, what's dangerous? She didn't want to say it. She didn't want to say it. I kept pulling. I kept pulling. I kept pulling. She goes, if there's a God, that gets dangerous for them. There you go. That's all I wanted to hear from her. All I wanted to hear from her, right? Folks, this is what is in just the science department in Greenwood, South Carolina. Why? Why is it so dangerous for a student to learn everything in a biology textbook, be able to answer all the questions correctly, and still say, but I believe there's an intelligent designer? Not forcing it on you, not doing an altar call, not taking up an offering. I'm just saying when I look at science, it appears as if somebody had to orchestrate this, that it actually takes more faith to believe it's an accident than have faith that somebody sovereign and bigger than us created it all. I said, why is that so dangerous? She didn't want to say that day, but I know the answer. Here it is. If you can rid humanity of its belief in a creation, you remove the necessity of a creator. That's the goal. That's the issue. Our world is scared to death that there's somebody bigger than us. Because if he's bigger than us, we got to listen to him. And we'd rather just be our own God instead of have to listen to him. That's why. He is attacked in the schools. That's why it is seen as such a, a reprehensible thought process, even as early on as you can get in schools these days. It is an issue. Um, so... The, the job is to rid humanity of its belief in creation. When you look at it, a meaningless, causeless universe allows for a self-defined existence and purpose. So if the universe, or these two things right here, meaningless and causeless, right? So if our lives right here, right now, no meaning, how will they have no meaning? There is no cause, there is no one who created us. We're just here by accident. If we're by, here by accident, that provides, allows us a self-defined what? Existence. Hey, we're just here, and there's really no purpose about it. So that means that we can live however we want to 
live, right? You remove the creator, you can actually determine your own reality. Determine what you want to do. There is no, at all, any type of way that you have to subject yourself to him. If you remove God from the equation, you actually what? You actually replace him. And that's the goal, folks. That's the goal right here, right now. It's not just to have this scientific principle. They work hard, folks. I'm telling you. Um, can, I, can I give you an example of how hard they work? There is a guy who is a nanophysicist named Robert Jastrow who worked for NASA for most of his life. Brilliant, brilliant mind. He wrote a book years ago called God and the Astronomers. Uh, at the book, he was, he's a self-proclaimed atheist and for all the scientific discoveries. And the end of his book, and the whole scientific community was so excited because he called it God and the Astronomers. And so he's like, look at all this scientific stuff, and we're going further and more in the universe. We're seeing all the galaxies, and we're seeing all these different things. And, and look at the modern mind, how we're arising to all these different wonderful things out there. And at the end of his book, right, scientific community is excited because they're like, he's going to kill all these you know, religious people. He's just going to annihilate them with his brilliance. At the last page of his book, he says, as a scientific community, we are scaling every mountain of our ignorance. And with every new scientific discovery, we're coming closer and closer to the knowledge of all things out there. And the higher that we ascend our mountain of ignorance, we come upon the peak of the mountain and we find a group of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> and the book ends. And people said, Jastro, what have you done here? Do you believe in a God? He goes, no, but you got to admit, the more that we find, it really does sound a lot like Genesis. <laughs> the more we discover, it sure sounds like some of the stuff found in Job. Man, the, the further out we go in space, it really does sound like Psalms. <laughs> We're making all these advances, and all these church people are like, yeah. So you mean something outside the universe caused it? You mean it should have accelerated itself and it didn't? You mean that something upheld? Yeah, we, we agree with you. We've been agreeing with you since the beginning of time. And, and here is the reality. Mankind was created in the image of God to bear his likeness to be able to fill creation, right? The reality is mankind is meant to be God's representatives to creation, not his replacement. And what we have done is we have tried to replace God when we should have been representing God to creation to say, let us fill this world with his glory, and yet we have tried to take his place. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, says it this way. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So we are supposed to bear the likeness of God. And the very fact... Folks, this is important. The very fact that we think about God means that he has put something in our heads to want to know him. Um, I'm, I'm going to write this down just for you to write down because I should have put this in your notes earlier. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Okay? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it this way. Um, God has put eternity in our heart yet so that man would not find out what God is doing to the end. The fact that we even think about eternity, the fact that we think about something beyond this world means that God has placed that inside of us. We are supposed to create his own image to reflect that, supposed to seek him. But instead of us filling creation with God's image, we seek to snuff it out. That's what the whole scientific community that is against the concept of God, instead of filling creation with God's image, we, we just want to snuff it out. We want to remove him from all of 
anything that we can find. Um, some questions, some big issues as results to creation. Let me give you a few really quick, three really quick. First is this, science versus religion. Can scientific principles and religious beliefs coexist? It's a big question, right? Here's what I would encourage you to do to realize this. Science and theology are not enemies. They're not, right? Science in the strict sense of what science is. When you go out into creation and you discover certain things, I'm going to tell you what, it should cause worship. It should. Uh, I stand in awe. And so I, I, I believe this, folks. Uh, scientific principles, we're going to look at a few in just a second. And religious beliefs, they can coexist and actually, I would say, um, just create in us an incredible, incredible awe of who we are. Um, years ago, uh, Obadiah was around seven and was nearing the place where he was ready to receive Christ, but he was really struggling. And he's a very, he was a way, way more deep thinker at seven than what he ought to be. If you've ever had that kid, right? He's thinking about all his deep stuff all the time and, it, you know, it's just like... Going to bed, good night, buddy. I hope you have a good night. It's like, Dad, how, how do we, you know, resolve the fact that God is sovereign and yet we still have to make choices? And I'm like, go to bed. Okay, like, I'm, we're, we're not doing this right now. Okay, like, tuck you in, good night. Ask your mama tomorrow when I'm at work. Like, I mean, this is, but this is the deep stuff. So, so one day, he, 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 I remember he asked me, he says, he said, Dad, if we can't see God, how do we know there is a God? Like, how do we just not know all this stuff has just happened by chance? And I said, you know, that's a great question. The other night, I thought the same thing because, you know, I come in every night just to make sure you guys are still tucked in and, and all the doors are locked and whatnot. And I said, I was coming through your bedroom, and I said, I saw the craziest thing. I said, over there on your little stand, there was this uh, Lego that was put together as a choo-choo train. And it was just crazy because your Lego boxes are on the other side of the room. And I just thought, this is so incredible. Those Legos magically came across the, the, the room while you were sleeping that night and, and kind of climbed up to that shelf and composed themselves together to look like a train and, and steam coming out of that. He starts interrupting me. He's like, no, Dad, that's not how it happened. I said, hey, I'm talking. I'm your dad. Be quiet. And I said, and they just kind of composed together and it looked like a choo-choo train and, and it did all. No, Dad, that's not how it happened. I said, no, no, no. I said, because, and he said, no, Dad, I made it. I said, I didn't see you make it, though. He goes, but you have to look at it and see. He goes, ah, you got me. Okay, like, and I said, you have to look at what? He said, well, obviously, this didn't happen by accident. I said, oh, 30 Legos is impressive for you? I said, come with me. I said, uh, open up the window shades and, and the sun was setting. I said, tell me what you see out there. What do you see? He started unpacking all this stuff, and I said, you think that just happened by accident? I said, I said come with me in the bathroom. I said, let's stand up on this shelf. I said, I want you to look in the mirror right now. Oh, Open up your mouth. What do you see? He's like, I'm missing a tooth right here. I said, yeah. I said, what is, what, what, why are you missing a tooth? He said, what's well, a baby tooth? I said, a baby tooth? He said, yeah. I said, why is that? He said, because when you're little, you just get these little teeth. But then when your head gets bigger, they knock out. And, and I said, bigger teeth just kind of pop down? He said, yeah. I said, by accident? That's pretty impressive that you got baby teeth and then big boy teeth just by accident. I said, pull up your knee really quick. I said, what do you see? I said, a, he said, a scab? I said, did you put that there? No, my, my body just started doing that when I got cut the other day. You mean your body just starts healing itself by accident? Wow, that's impressive, son. He goes, I'd like to go to bed now. I said, okay. <laughs> Folks, when, when I, 
when I look at the sky outside, when I look at baby teeth, when, when, I, when I look at scabs, scientific principles, my religious beliefs start coming into worship. Look at what God has done. Look how he's wired all these things together. It, they can coexist. Don't, don't be afraid of that. You keep going in deeper and further, and you'll, you'll see stuff. Another uh, big issue is something called old earth versus young earth. Y'all ever heard that terminology here? Y'all ready for me to solve it tonight? I ain't going to. Okay, listen up. <laughs> old earth versus young earth. Do the earthly clues contradict the biblical timeline? Okay? Scientific community tells us that the universe is how old? Anybody want to take a guess? Millions, billions of years, right? Look at the genealogies in the Bible. How old is the earth? Six, eight thousand years. That's a discrepancy, folks, isn't it? That's a discrepancy. Um, here's, here's what I, I want you to, to think about really quick. Um, a couple ways to help us un, unpack this. Uh, a lot of people will talk about, there, there's some ways that people will answer this question, and I think you can hold either view and still be Orthodox Christian, okay? Some people talk about where there are literal seven days of creation, seven 24-hour periods. God said, let there be light, day two, this, day three. Some people say, maybe the day just meant like time, you know? And day one actually meant a few thousand years, you know, this kind of stuff. And they say, because if you look at the timeline, if you look at the age of the earth, it's obvious that it's older, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I can go with any of those things as long as you say that God's the creator. I, I think you're okay. I don't think that you're a heretic if you go this way. But let me ask you a question, okay, really quick. Uh, I brought this up so I can draw for you because you all know how great of an artist I am. Um, when you think, why are you laughing at that, okay? <laughs> uh, hurt my feelings. Um, when we think of... The uh, Garden of Eden, somebody tell me what it looked like day one. When Adam and Eve walked into the garden, what do you think it looked like? Somebody give me something you saw, you see there. Paradise. Okay, paradise. Specifically, what will be in there? Trees. 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 Wait, wait, mature trees? Because on day one, this is what I think they look like. Right? It'd be a seed. It was day one. But if there were trees to eat from, what does that mean? They had to be there. But now you know this. You cut down a tree and you can look at all the rings and see how old it is, right? So if you had to cut down a tree in the garden, you actually would see rings that make it look older than what it actually is. Follow me? When God created the world, it did not look like a day one garden, right? It had trees and it had hills, and it had all kinds of vegetation up here, the sun shining. And this place, is not, well, there are probably some tiny trees and tiny bushes, but there was some big stuff going on here, right? When God created Adam, how old do you view Adam? Anybody? A baby? 21? 30? Anybody? You ever thought about him as a baby going, somebody help me, right, okay? No. You picture him... As a 20 to 30-year-old grown man, right? Grown man strength, no clothes on, a fully grown man. Like, this is not a baby in the garden. So you mean to tell me on day one of Adam's birth certificate, he ain't actually one day, right? So could God have created the earth to actually look older than what it was? Yes. You believe that. Before you've ever, you've never, you've never articulated like that maybe, but you believe that the earth looked way older than that. Give you another one. So uh, many of you know that we've been out of our house for over a week. We had to go be in a hotel. You know why? Because one load of washer leaked onto our floors. 
And my wife caught it within 20 minutes. And y'all know what just one load of washer and water can do to floors and to walls? Anybody want to guess? Mess it up. It's just one load. It's just water, right? It's just water. It's not a big deal. She sopped it up. She got towels. It shouldn't do much damage. Did it do damage, y'all? Five rooms, three different types of flooring. This has got to be ripped out because underneath this wood's going to be rotten. This is going to be moldy. And are you kidding me? It's one washer load, one hose that came loose. And, and, this is, and that's one load of laundry. Now, you think about if there was an actual storm that lasted for 40 days and 40 nights that it got so heavy upon the earth that it took 150 days for that water to subside. You tell me what that earth looks like. If my house, after one load of laundry, looked like it had been around a whole lot longer, if there was a literal flood, what do you think the earth looked like? It was absolutely... And think about the weight of that water, right? If there was an animal that got killed in that flood and there's that much water, what happens to that fossil? It goes further and further and further down, and it looks like it's been in there at a lot deeper level than what it actually has been. Y'all following? If the Bible's true, science and all stuff works, and old earth, uh, you know, young earth, old earth, whatever, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I can read the Bible literally and go, I see it. <laughs> God created the earth and it looked old and the flood made it look really old and sin has infested the ground and we have messed this place up, right? And now there's nothing in there when I, when I re, uh, read science or read the scripture that I go, there's a problem there whatsoever. Uh, third major issue, evolution versus creation. Has the universe developed itself or is there an intelligent designer? I know that in this room where everybody would probably fall on something like this and and all that's great, and I don't want us to get in, into this whatsoever. But the reality, once again, is that um, there is a difference in what sometimes scientists would say adaptation in the sense of if an animal moved to a different climate zone, then all of a sudden they may grow extra fur throughout a few generations, right? Makes sense. Uh, certain skin tones throughout our world, if you live in a certain world, you might get lighter, you might get darker, right? All that stuff is adaptation. Evolution is something different to try to reduce man who's created the image of God to go subtract to be what? Something lesser than. Yeah. Right? Because if we're lesser than, then guess what? We, we're not made in his image. Th this is the attack, folks, what it is. And once again, if there was an evolution, why are things still not causing evolution now? What are we coming to be next, right? If we came from monkeys, then what's the next stage and why haven't we gotten there yet? No one can ever view this timeline. We just assume it happened. Why? Because we don't want to see mankind as distinct among anything else. Because if mankind is distinct and has a soul, that means there's a creator that's going to hold us responsible. And let's remove that altogether. If you look throughout Scripture, uh, if you look throughout this world, you'll notice something. That evidence inside us and outside ourselves point to a creator. If you look inside us, you look at the way that we're wired, you look at how God has put us together, it points to a creator. If you look outside ourselves, it, it points to a creator. There's all these philosophical arguments that talk about the existence of God. These are some of the arguments that got me in trouble when I taught in state school. Let me give you one. It's called cosmological. That basically means when you look at the way the universe is created, you believe that there could be an intelligent designer. Uh, I give you the, these pictures really quick that shows you the size of uh, some of the planets in our solar system. Uh, we are bigger than some of the other uh, planets in our solar system. But then if you look at some of the other stuff, you can see Earth down there at the bottom compared to Jupiter, and you realize we kind of tiny, right? <laughs> Just in our solar system, we are very, very tiny. 
And if you also continue on, if you look at the sun in comparison to Jupiter, you see how big the sun is to us. And then if you look at where you can't even see Earth now, it's just a dot on this compared to it. Anybody glad we're not a little closer to that thing? Okay. Uh, the size of this sun is, is absolutely amazing when you look at where we are compared to it. In fact, if we were next to the sun, you see that little blue dot on that screen right there? That would be the approximate size of the earth compared to our sun. Okay? Obviously, this picture can't even contain all that, but that would be drawn to dimension of what this sun would be. You go, why are you showing that? Because if you look at the sun in which we have on the on left side... Jupiter's about a pixel in size right now. When you start looking at some of the neighboring stars, these are actually bigger stars that are in solar systems kind of near us, but not in ours. And in fact, if, say, Pollux right there was the star in our solar system, guess what? It's touching us, and we're all burned up. We actually have a baby star, if you don't realize that. Thankfully so. You think that's bad? Look at uh, Arcturus, you see that size, and you get to other ones. There's this one called Beetlejuice. You ever heard of that? And you're like, I thought it was just a movie from the 80s. Okay. Um, the sun is now down there at the bottom, a one pixel compared to what some people believe is the biggest star out there, Beetlejuice. And you go, why is that so important? Because when you look at the size of these things, you realize that of all of this, how can all of these things be created in such a way just by accident? And how can it be the only place in life that, that even sustains life is the one that has a kind of a, a tiny star. And if it had been any other star, there's no way that we could survive. It's just really one place on earth that sees it. I, I've told this group a few weeks ago, but that student in class who once said, you know, there has to be aliens out there, um, professor, because all of this is just too big if it's just for us. And I would go, yeah, if it's just for us, the universe is oversized. But if it's to cause us to look towards God, it's not even close, right? Beetlejuice is, is not out there to, to display light for us. We were looking out the, the, night, the other night, looking at the stars, and we said, what do you see? And we're pointing out different stars, different constellations. And, and Obadiah said, you realize that the light that we're seeing actually left that star years ago. That star could be out right now, and we won't know it until years from now. That's how big this universe is. And for all this to happen by accident and not... Uh, it, it just, it's just too much for me to be able to comprehend. The teleological argument is something that's very simple. That's basically this, that God designed things, teleos, a designer. That not only is he the author of the cosmos where he's really big, but teleos, he, he's designing certain things. So if you look back at that star situation and you realize this, that even if you go back to our solar system, if we are in the second position in our, uh, in our solar system, if we're Venus, guess what happens? It's too hot to live. One planet over Mars, guess what? Too cold to live. Just perfect right here, right? Well, isn't that just a wonderful coincidence, right? That out, out of all the places in the world, it's the only livable spot. And, and then if you look at certain things, like um, I love reading about um, certain space missions. Like if you look at like the Apollo 13 and different stuff, like when they were trying to re-enter Earth, what you have to realize about a spaceship, NASA... Uh, astronomers and scientists, they study the way the Earth is made so that they can form a spacecraft. Think about it this way. Oxygen's got to be this kind of way. Gravity's got to be this kind of way. We've got to look at how the Earth just happens to be by chance, and we're going to build this big space station. Why? To, to emulate the thing that just happened by chance. This is too remarkable for me just to be by accident. They're, they're looking at the orbit, and they're looking at the atmospheric thing, all these different things, and you see that the Earth is completely designed to sustain life. If we had more of an ozone layer, we don't have enough air. If we had less, we're all going to burn up. All of these things 
specifically aligned for us to be able to sustain life. And then if you just think about how we exist and the the breath that we have and how life even comes to being, folks, this is just remarkable, right? Life itself, a a new generation is just, it's too too mind-boggling for me to be able to even think about how something like that can take place. The, the, The idea of the teleological argument as well, the days of creation, if you think about one, two, three, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. On day two, there is what they call sky and waters, right? Day three is land and everything that we know. What's interesting about this is day four, he creates the sun, moon, and stars. It's interesting because three days earlier, he created what? Light. Light. Day two, he creates something to go in the sky, which are birds. I don't know why we always make birds look like M's, but we do. Okay. Uh, and then he also creates fish, right? On, on day five. Sorry, I need to put five here. And then day six, he creates all the animals that are uh, on the earth. And also one other thing that inhabits the earth is what? Man. Man, right? Male and female. So, first three days he creates environment. Second three days, he creates inhabitants to go in those environments. They always counteract with, with those other days. Think about it this way. Day seven is the day of rest. Um, on this, you also have to think of this is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all corresponding. He forms it. He fills it. On day six, which is Friday, is also the day of which Jesus, what? We call his, his, the day that he crucified good. Right. So on the day that he created man is the day that he died for man. And on the Sabbath day, there is a rest. And on the beginning of the week, God said, let there be. Jesus got out of the tomb at what part of the day? Sunrise. There, there's all these things going on deep down in creation. How he forms, how he feels, how it's all lining up together. All these wonderful things happening. And folks, the way he formed it, the way he feels it, is just too much of this teleological, the design aspect of it, just to happen by chance. The, the last argument here, moral law, that people will go to, here's what we find. Even in places where the Bible has not gone yet, there is a moral law embedded into every person's heart that even if you disobey it, you know it's wrong. Don't you? You don't have to tell a child that when they hit somebody, it's wrong because they hit and then they turn to see through my soul. Right? Automatically like that. You will not go to a culture in the world in which backstabbing um, and some type of uh, aggressive way of uh, hurting people and not being somewhat of respect and dignity is ever upheld. There's a moral law embedded in the code of every single person that even though we disobey it, where does that come from, right? Where, where does that come from? Why, why in the world right now does... Most of the world look at what's happening over at Ukraine and go, that's wrong. Why? Because we think there has to be a cause for conflict. Give me a reason. What provoked it, right? Deep down, you're like, I'm not even invested over there. I got no concern. But why does it? Because there's a moral law embedded in us and we'll break it. But it, it, it goes with us. So, so the middle of how we struggle with creation. But let me go to the ending really quick. Because you go, I thought this was all about creation. But you need to know that in Revelation 21.1, God's word says this, then I saw a, what? New heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. 
So there is coming a day, folks, where not only there's going to be a creation, there's going to be a recreation. This earth, and even not only the earth, but guess what? The, there's going to be a new heaven. Not crazy. Oh, I'm not good enough? What was going on? God, like, no. There's going to be a new recreation one day. And it's also something very interesting. At the end of Revelation 21, it says, the first earth that passed away and the what was no more? Sea was no more. Now, does that anybody depress anybody right here? Anybody love the beach? Anybody? Okay, okay. Some of you read that and go, what do you mean? Are there no beaches in heaven? Because I'm not going. Well, okay, let me explain something to you. Go all the way back to Genesis. So this is the end of the book, right? The beginning of the book says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What does that mean? Well, to a Jewish boy... Uh, somebody, especially in the time when Moses would write those words in Genesis, the sea represented one and one and only thing is unbridled chaos of where people went to go die. What the sea represented, right? You get out lost in it, people start swimming, and you don't come back. There's stuff swimming underneath there to take you down. You get on a boat one day and you might get lost at sea. The sea represented chaos, instability, Something we cannot control. And when you get to the new heaven and the new earth, guess what is not present there? Chaos. Chaos. It's gone. The sea is no more. Why? Because everything that makes us feel unstable is gone. It, it, it's no longer present there. So this picture, this recreation, is getting us back to where we're supposed to go. In the beginning, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, here was the point of it all. God's ideal was God's people dwelling in God's place, delighting in God's what? His presence. That was the goal. Right here. God's ideal was God's people dwelling in God's place, delighting in God's presence. So originally, ideally, God's people were dwelling in God's place, which was called the Garden of Eden, delighting in God's presence, where God was walking with them face to face. So look at this list here just for a brief second. Um... Eden, Adam and Eve in there, they sin and what happens? Cast out, right? They cannot be in God's presence, in God's place anymore. Why? Because they decided to be God on their own. You go to the tabernacle while the people were wandering in the wilderness. And what was a tabernacle supposed to represent? A place where God's people could come into God's place to be able to experience God's presence. Follow me? This is the whole goal of let's gather together in this tabernacle. And even though it's not perfect, it's a, it's a symbol of what happened. And if Eden, if you follow the traces through Genesis, you know what they're always doing? They're always traveling east every time they drift away. The east of Eden, they, uh, Lot goes east, um, Cain goes east, all these different people, east, 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 getting further and further away from the presence of God. When you get to the tabernacle, guess where they put the door? On the east side, as if when you finally repent, the door is wide open for you to say, come back in God's presence. Come back in. Only on the east side. You get into Canaan, they go into the promised land, right? God's people, God's place, God's presence. And yet in their sin, guess what happens again? They're going to get exiled in. So then they put in this huge temple, and it's a lot better than the tabernacle, but it's a representative. God's people gathering God's place, God's presence. Then all of a sudden they are cast out of the promised land. They have to go into exile because of their sin. Just like Eden, now they're cast out of that place. They're having to move out, learning how to figure this out. And what is heaven, folks, but the return to 
Man, return to Jesus, return to Eden, return to paradise where God's people in God's place enjoying God's presence. We are coming back to where we we're supposed to be in the first place. That's the whole goal right here. Creation sets the stage for the coming recreation. What once was in Eden will be realized all the more greatly one day, experienced perfectly and forever. The beauty of what God's creation is, we will one day see again. At the end, God will establish what it should have been from the when? From the beginning. At the end, God is going to establish what it should have been from the beginning. Finally, when we see him face to face and we get to walk with him once again, it says about heaven that we won't need light. We won't need sun, moon, or stars. You know why? He's going to be the light, right? We won't need a temple or tabernacle. You know why? Because he's going to be there with us anyway. What was meant to be a creation one day be reestablished at recreation. And so tonight, Father, we realize that in our sin we have been exiled from your presence time and time again. But you have set up a good world in which we are to inhabit and to enjoy. And yet through every time in which we walk away, you have not given up on us. And you are creating a new heaven and a new earth. And one day, some glorious day when you come back, and we will be able to finally, fully, forever be able to enjoy your presence in your place among your people and for that day we wait we labor and we cannot wait to see you face to face in the name of jesus we pray and all god's people say thank you guys thank you for listening to the equip podcast make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources you can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.